like having confidence in your medical support team matters too. So when you feel like your doctor is ignorant to your needs as a black woman or the seriousness of your health conditions, um, but unfortunately they're the only affordable doctor in your area, you are left with having to choose between what can feel like really inhumane experiences or having confidence in your pregnancy at a really high cost, which significantly um, decreases the rate of survival and health of the baby. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast. This podcast is a community for melanated queens who are ready to prioritize holistic self-care as the ultimate form of self-love. My name is Toya, and I'm extremely passionate about helping you take back your crown and live your best life. With each discussion, I will take you along my own personal journey to self-love, as well as feature guests that will give you practical self-care tips for your mental, physical, spiritual, and financial well-being. Are you ready to invest and thrive in your own journey to happiness and wholeness? Then let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Imperfectly Beautiful Podcast. My name is Toya and I am your host. We are back again with another episode. I've mentioned that the month of May will be focusing on self-care for moms. And so today we'll be talking about why a doula is essential to self-care. Um, and so the outcome and kind of what I'm expecting for you all to get from this this episode in particular is for us to be able to provide you with some useful information and tips on why doulas are important and to also use this as an opportunity to help you all realize how doulas can assist in reducing mortality rates specifically among Black women. So to kick off the conversation or to join me in this conversation, I have with me guest Jana Thaler. Thank you for joining me today. Of course. Thank you, Toya. I pronounced your name correctly, right? Jana. Jana. It's Jana. But it's Jana from. Sorry. I said, where did I get Jana from? (laughs) (laughs) My middle name, my middle name is Janae, so it gets it gets all types of variations, but it is totally okay. Okay. Um, I apologize. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for having me though, Toya. I am extremely excited to be a part of this conversation with you. Yeah, and I'm Um, excited to have you here. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, So a little bit about me. I hail from the south side of Chicago. Um, I, like I said, my name is Jonna Baylor. I have a background in art therapy. Um, And so I really wanted to see how I could use creative tools um, in this birthing and non-birthing space. And you'll um, hear a little bit from me about why I use the words birthing and non-birthing. Um, but yeah, I want to, I hope to be useful in this conversation. I hope to, um, bring some of my experiences to the table and I hope to share knowledge. That is the most important thing to me, access to knowledge. So glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. And to kick off the conversation, I just wanted to share a little bit of information that I found during my research. I found out that the modern house the modern hospital maternity care practices have reduced the ability of an attending nurse to remain with the mother during labor. So this just shows the importance of 
needing a doula, doing kind of your birthing process, your pregnancy process, even your postpartum process. And it says, as a result, this has been the loss of having someone at the bedside to offer continuous support throughout the birthing process. Also, mm -hmm. studies examining the impact of continuous support by doulas report a significant reduction in cesarean births, instrumental vaginal births, need for oxytocin augmentation and shortened durations of labor. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you have something to say? Oh, no, I was just agreeing. Yeah, that's 100% right. And I just think that like, I never, I knew that doulas were essential and important to the pregnancy, the birthing process, but I never knew like the significant impact that you all had. And even when you and I were kind of talking prior to recording this podcast episode and you were just kind of describing the type of doula you were, which I allowed you to get into a full spectrum doula and what that entailed, like I was amazed because I never even knew a lot of this stuff. And so mm -hmm. to kick off the conversation, we can just start off with you just letting us know and explaining to us exactly what a doula is. Yeah, yeah, 100 um, percent. So many, so many definitions, so many words um, can describe what a doula is. Um, but I feel that a doula is really someone who brings cultural humility and emotional intelligence um, to birthing and non-birthing spaces. And doulas do this while seeking to honor, uplift, um, advocate for and support birthing and non-birthing individuals. Um, and like I said, a reason I say non-birthing is because there is power in the choice to choose not to birth as well, which some doulas recognize and value in their supportive practices. Um, like I did share with you, there are abortion doulas, there are death doulas, um, and many more different types of doulas that hold space for folks that are not giving birth. So can you explain to us the some of the type of doulas there are, and then the type of support that is offered with each doula. Yeah, yeah. So some misconceptions about doulas are that they are midwives, um, but midwives and doulas are not the same thing. And they're, they are more than um, just birth doulas. So doulas range from antepartum doulas to birth doulas, postpartum doulas, abortion doulas, sex doulas, death doulas, um, transition doulas, fertility doulas, adoption doulas, <laughs> and full spectrum doulas, doulas who range um, in a series of, ser of services, and they specialize in these services. Um, and I probably even missed a few, um, just because the variety of doulas, they are just, um, support can be needed in all different types of spaces. So depending on the stage of life that you're in, support looks different, right? You might need someone to talk you through the process of a surgical abortion or someone to support you through your transition. Um, most folks are most familiar, familiar with birth and postpartum doulas, but support is needed for individuals who choose not to birth, individuals who have experienced miscarriages, individuals who um, want more support in their intimate life and uh, so on. So my advice is if you are looking for a doula, identify your needs first. Um, an example of this could be, I need someone to watch my kids during postpartum, or I need someone who can um, be a mediator between my partner and my family as we go through IVF. Um, and then once you identify your needs, you can do some research to see which, which of these doulas 
um, that I just listed best support those needs with the experience that they bring. That's awesome. And to just provide a bit of clarity, can you explain what, I guess a couple of them, what an antepartum doula is, as well as what would a sex doula do? Yeah, so an antepartum, antepartum means before childbirth. So um, antepartum doulas support um, up into the birth. And so support looks like, um, hey, hey, birthing person, what can you do today? Are you able to go grocery shopping for your family? Do you need support in that area? Um, personally, for me, with the client that I have, I attend some of her appointments with her, um, and she personally chooses to have a doula um, instead of her partner in some of her appointments. Um, and I'll explain a bit more about that later, but um, it's really you getting to know the person that you are supporting, especially if you're going to be supporting them postpartum. Um, and collecting their preferences as they're going through this really, really what can be a stressful, but also beautiful process of life um, and life giving. And so you are there to support them in whatever way that looks like, um, which varies. And then you asked about another type of doula, sorry. The sex doula? Yeah, so I'm not too familiar with, with sex doulas, but I do know that they provide support in um, folks' sex lives. So um, I believe that this is a type of doula that partners would come to, um, to get more educated on sex and get more educated on healthy sex and even um, how to talk about sex with kids. Um, doulas are, are a support team and more than that, they're educators. And so I would imagine one would go to a sex doula to get more information about how to go about um, their sex life, hopefully. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you also mentioned about being a mediator for like partners, couples that may be going through the IVF process. So what does the mediation look like? Is that you advocating for them? Like what, what would that look like in um, being a mediator for like a couple that's specifically going through IVF? Yeah, so this in, in, in this instance, um, a conversation with the birthing individual or um, yeah, or non-birthing individual will um, need to put, take place with the doula. So I would recommend having a conversation outside of with your partner, with the doula personally, just to understand um, the circumstances at hand. Um, some partners are not necessarily as, as familiar or comfortable with the IVF process. Um, and it can be something that a birthing person really wants. And so as a doula, like I said, um, if say your partner doesn't, isn't familiar with the IVF process, um, your, your, your responsibility would be to make the space a comfortable space to ask questions, to make, to allow the partner to make state, make mistakes, to allow the couple to make mistakes. Um, really to, to attend to their needs. What do they need as a couple? What do they need as individuals? Um, I know that there's also a, a different type of doula, which I didn't um, include, but there are doulas specifically for the partners um, who have a difficult time with prioritizing themselves as they're trying to support um, this person that is going through, like I said, this really beautiful but can be stressful process. Mm -hmm. um, and so they need support too because they can't show up for their partner if they can't show up for themselves. And so doulas recognize that and they recognize the needs of the person that they're working with. Um, and they provide resources too. Doulas are full of 
um, networks and full of references. Like it is actually one of our requirements um, after certification to have a list of references um, because maybe you're not the person for the job. And it is your job as a doula, as one who serves, to be like, actually, I don't know enough about this. I don't have enough experience and I'm not as comfortable. But here is a list of folks who are. Um, and if you're supporting someone um, through the IVF process, there's a lot of resources that are needed, um, as well as a lot of questions that need answers. And so it will be also be your job to redirect um, those questions where, where it is most appropriate. That's awesome. Yeah. And when, so going back through the, the process of um, a woman deciding to, you know, have a child, should she get both a doula and a midwife? Do you think both are necessary? So assuming you're referring to birth doulas, um, it really depends. Mm -hmm. um, you'll typically find a midwife when, when, um, there's a home birth or a birth at a birthing center, um, which is in between of a home and a hospital. Um, and if you are having a hospital birth, um, I recommend just getting a doula unless you feel like you want more support outside of your hospital team, um, outside of appointments specifically to ask additional questions if you don't feel like um, your appointments are the space for really um, questions that, that interrogate, you know, questions that um, may offend um, your hospital team. If you feel that way, I would recommend getting a doula. Um, doulas and midwives can work as a dynamic duo or sometimes as um, accountability partners. Mm -hmm. um, there is this book that's really a really good read. Um, it's called uh, Where's the Mother? Stories from a Transgender Dad. Um, um, and Trevor McDonald, who writes the book, is a trans dad. And we get to follow um, his journey of breastfeeding his kids. Um, and he shares how this relationship, his relationship specifically between his midwives and doulas were different. Um, and so one maybe understood a bit more about the importance of slowing down to meet the needs of his family, whereas the other sometimes wanted to speed his labor along. Um, so if you do choose to get a doula and a mid midwife, I would seek to find um, not only folks for the job, but a compatible team. Um, but I also want to add that there's a financial factor to it. Um, and that's that some midwives are covered under insurance, whereas doulas are not. Mm. So getting both can also be a financial decision. And um, specifically for doula, you will be paying out of pocket or you could go to a doula support center in Chicago, specifically like um, UChicago Medicine Family Birth Center, uh, Birth Center of Chicago or Advocate Trinity Birthing Center um, that have some really helpful and affordable services as well. Okay, that's good to know. I know my cousin, she recently had a, um, she recently had a baby and I was on the search to find her a doula. Mm. I can't remember the name of the organization, but they do provide services um, for free. Yeah. Um, birthing, birthing doulas, um, as well as antepartum doulas. And I think if you have the ability to provide a donation, then they, you know, you can give one. But um, once I'm able to find that information, I'll be sure to post it on my social media. But I do, I did come across a couple of organizations that do provide free doulas within the Chicagoland area to those who are unable to afford them. 
Yeah, yeah, that's extremely, extremely vital. Mm -hmm. um, and I can share a little bit about that too, um, in terms of those who are unable to afford a doula. Um, any volunteer programs you find, um, go to, right? So in Chicago, I know there's the Chicago Volunteer Doulas. Um, and essentially, it's a network of doulas who have trained and are certified and they commit their time to families in Chicago that may not be able to afford doula services. Um, there's also different, different programs around the country. I know there's one or a couple in DC, um, one in Sacramento specifically called the Volunteer Doula Program. Um, but if li literally you just type in volunteer doulas in whatever state you're located in, um, something will pop up. And there's also an organization called BEAM, um, which stands for Black Emotional and Mental Health. Um, and they're a collective that has a wellness, Black Wellness Innovation Fund, where they write Black birth wellness grants. Um, and they essentially pay Black women to have birth doulas throughout their process um, so as to lower the Black maternal mortality rates. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You won't, you won't find it everywhere, but when you do, like, hold on to it and also share this knowledge, right? Like, yes. let's not gatekeep this knowledge. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I think it's, I like that, you know, doulas are becoming more, um, I guess, more known in that a lot of people are becoming more aware of, like, what a doula is and what the role of doulas are, and then also, um, how it's just being more widely spoken about and helping to reduce mortality rates specifically among black women and other women of color. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I'm just, I posted even a statistic today on my social media page about just like mortality rates amongst black women versus white women. And mm -hmm. it is just such a drastic difference. Um, and I know this is just one small step into helping to solve that issue there are some other ones as well you know um yeah. systemic racism and all that other stuff within the healthcare industry but um I think this is like definitely like a great step in the right direction and helping to save so many lives agreed agreed 100% and um just to add a bit about those mortality rates among black women um there is a doctor Dr. Karee Jackson Cotwright and she teaches at the College of Family and Consumer Sciences at the University of Georgia. Um, and she does a lot of really important research on this specifically. And she was a guest on the Black Information Network. I'm not sure anyone is familiar, but it's a really cool news outlet for, for the Black community. And um, she was a guest on there and she shared some really important facts about Black maternal health disparities. Um, and some of them were, um, that maternal health rights, Black maternal health rates have not changed in the last 40 years. Um, Black women are still three to four times as likely to die than white women in childbirth. Um, the CDC released a study saying that racism poses serious risks to healthcare, literally like the CDC. Um, and then another one she shared was that Black women with higher education are more likely to experience the worst health outcomes than white women who have not graduated high school. Wow. So when you think about why this is, um, it really goes without saying that there is a double consciousness mm -hmm. that is required being a black woman in any space. And when you get to the healthcare system, you can see how the microaggressions, the denial of treatment, the denial of pain tolerance, 
and overall lack of cultural competency contributes to the stress of being a pregnant woman alone, let alone being a black pregnant woman. Um, and so it has a direct effect on the body and it begins wearing it down. And then in addition to that, like having confidence in your medical support team matters too. So when you feel like your doctor is ignorant to your needs as a black woman or the seriousness of your health conditions, um, but unfortunately they're the only affordable doctor in your area, you are left with having to choose between what can feel like really inhumane experiences or having confidence in your pregnancy at a really high cost, which significantly um, decreases the rate of survival and health of the baby. Um, but specifically for doulas, doulas, they have an ability to make the birthing or non-birthing non individual feel seen. And they prioritize this person, um, their needs and their difference and can advocate for a doctor taking another look as something that might come across, they might come across often, but it's the first time their patient is experiencing. So it matters who your team is matters. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So you already answered my <laughs> my next question of what factors contribute to maternal inequities. Um, but as far as trying to find the right doula, mm -hmm. how does someone go about properly choosing the right doula? And yeah. then what process should one follow and like what type of questions should be asked and things of that nature? Yep. Yep. So if you are looking for a doula, um, as I mentioned earlier, identify your needs first and ask around your community and network to see if there are already doulas who can support in those areas and who meet your needs. Um, personally, I've known my clients since I was in grammar school. We were in grammar school together. And when I became certified, I just started asking around my family to see if they knew if anyone who were pregnant. Um, and surprisingly, she was looking for a doula at the same time, um, but she was actually just told of the cost of one. And so when I told her that I was uh, recently certified and that I'm looking to support for free, um, it was a perfect match. Mm -hmm. And um, we're both we're both sharing this journey together for the first time, which is so special. So there are a lot more doulas and midwives in your circles than you may know. And the healthcare system also sometimes conveniently forgets to remind you of your access to them too. Um, we know that the relationship to um, between doulas and midwives in the healthcare system, the American healthcare system has changed over time, but it's still something to consider when you think about why you haven't heard of a doula or midwife in the first place, or like what is a doula or a midwife? Um, and it's intentional because of how revolutionary they are. So um, once you have identified your needs and have found a few folks that might be a great fit, um, I would encourage you to set up interviews with more than just one doula um, and how many is up to your discretion. But um, yeah, make sure you have a variety of folks that fit your needs. And you can ask questions like, uh, what is your training in and are you certified? Um, do you have anyone else do around my labor? What do your fees cover? How do you feel about birth? Or what is your philosophy around birth to make sure it's in alignment with yours? Um, and another question you could ask is, is for postpartum doula work, do I need to know how many hours I need ahead of time and what my schedule needs to be? It's really important you work out those kinks. Um, so ask personal questions. Your doula will be a part of the most intimate experiences in your birth. So it's best to ask all concerns during the interview. 
um, so as to avoid any surprises later on. Um, say their opinion on you changing your birth plan from natural to medicated, um, it can bring about some tension as some doulas are only comfortable doing natural home births. So um, yeah, also when asking these questions, don't just pay attention to the answers, but also things that matter to you, whether that's their cadence and their responses, their clarity in their responses, their body language, and see how comfortable they make you feel, um, as well as other things that you value. Um, whether that's someone that's interested in the arts or someone that has experience doing something that you've had in the past. Um, if you believe in a certain religion, how comfortable are you with someone who doesn't? Um, and I trust that no doula is going to be offended by you wanting, you know, to make sure that both of you are comfortable on this journey. So don't be afraid to be honest. Um, and the last thing I'll say is I'd also add to interview the doula with either your partner um, your child or family member and see how comfortable they make everyone else feel because they are going to be working with a team. Typically, mm -hmm. um, they're going to be working with a team. And if they are, they need, they need to be in communication with that team. And it has to be a healthy communication or else it's going to give stress to the birthing or non-birthing individual. I think those are great tips. Thank you. And so during the, the, like the pregnancy process duration of a woman's pregnancy, um, and they have, let's say they, they've had a doula on um, before their childbirth. So I guess that would be the antepartum doula. Um, and they have a doula on board to assist them until, you know, the postpartum um, journey. Mm -hmm. How, um, now I've already lost my train of thought. <laughs> How frequently, would you recommend or is typical for um, a mother to meet with her doula and to touch base um, with her doula throughout that entire process from beginning to end? From beginning as in antepartum to postpartum? Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's a long journey. <laughs> that can be, that can be, you know, a year long, mm -hmm. that can be 10 months long. Um, I would say let the let the mother or birthing person choose the timeline um, and once or let you know like how long they think they'll need you for. Um, and depending on how flexible you are, you, you can extend um, your time with them, especially if you see that they are having a little more of a difficult time adjusting with um, their baby, their newborn baby. And so maybe I'll, I'll stay with this family a little bit longer so, until they feel comfortable breastfeeding on their own um, and getting up in the middle of the night. Um, but there's certain amount of meetings that have to happen before the birth of the baby. Um, and that's about three meetings that, that need to happen. But of course, um, if you're anything like my client, like she calls me <laughs> um, when she needs and I make myself available for those needs. And so during those um, series of meetings, you will be establishing what support um, your client needs, but you will also be establishing a birth plan. You will also be establishing preferences for the birth. Um, and this is all antepartum. So um, during appointments, um, my client personally, she is allergic to a few drugs and or she doesn't like the taste of some. And so I make a list of her preferences and I am compiling this list um, so that I can remind the hospital team of her preferences during her birth. Um, there is this 
this phase in labor or stage of labor rather called labor land, where it's probably not the best time to ask a birthing person a question or to perform a certain exercise because they are in a different space than they were in the first stage of labor. And so if they're unable to communicate their needs, I have this list of, of preferences of theirs that I remind the, the team of. Um, and so say she she forgot to, or say they forgot to remind me of, um, let's see, um, that she has acid reflux. And she just calls me in the middle of the night. I'm gonna probably have a meeting with her and ask her a little more about certain allergies, a little more about what makes her feel good, a little more about some nausea medication um, that she might be asked to take during the birth um, just to, to make it a, a seamless and comfortable space um, during that birth. And so after birth, um, depending on how long the birthing person needs you for, um, you would support where, where needed. So say they needed you in the evenings, um, maybe three times a week, then you would come to their house um, and support them as needed. But it really depends on um, your flexibility as a doula. And also, um, yeah, like I've been saying, what does this person need from you? Um, and can you support them in that way? If not, who can you re refer them to? And so the amount of meetings, they vary by client. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And so yeah. What is the importance of Black women specifically seeking a Black doula? Yeah, so Black women, as we know, are the most affected by the American healthcare system. And so representation matters, but also someone who gets it and recognizes how important it is for Black women to feel uplifted by other Black women. Um, there is this Black birthing person on TikTok, and her handle is b-u-r-r -R underscore j-a-m and she made a video which I thought was so so profound she made a video discussing the importance of seeing yourself in examples in birth stories and she was specifically referring to the books the pamphlets the articles the trainings she's had where white women were the only faces mm -hmm. she saw pregnant mm -hmm. and she was honest about how disembodied that can make a black birthing person feel, um, to feel like your experiences aren't the ones being learned about. Um, and it can, make, it can make you feel like there is no support for someone with the identities that you carry. Um, so in response, she began taping her face over the white woman in the books um, and the articles and the pamphlets so as to make it more reflective and culturally humble for her. So Black doulas are your sisters, your aunts, your cousins, and so on. Representation matters, and I cannot stress that enough. I think that's awesome. That's, that's pretty dope that she, that she did that. Um, I'm hoping that one day we'll be able to see more of our own faces on, you know, those type of pamphlets. Um, right. And just even in general, when it comes to... Um, a variety of healthcare experiences and not ones that are necessarily tragic, but right. from, from like a birthing perspective as, as well as some others I can't think off the top of my head, but I think it's definitely important that to see that we are being represented and and, and to make us feel as if we, we matter within this space. 
Right. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. One reason I loved my doula training at Doula Trainings International so much was because they actually had images of Black women with locks mm -hmm. and their interracial partner supporting them or trans parents and their families in actual cartoons. And I was like, I have never seen this. I think that's great. <laughs> right? Like nobody, it's, it's hard to find such an inclusive, um, educative space like that. And so I, I really value a culturally humble um, educator. That's beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So before we wrap up the conversation, is there anything else you wanted to share? Um, I guess I would say that um, as we've been talking about, doulas are important, um, but also just knowing who you have on your team. Um, there are more people in your circle than you realize and there are more folks that don't even know you that are willing to be hands-on with your birthing process mm -hmm. um, or non-birthing process, right? As I've talked about doulas, um, there being abortion doulas or death doulas, um, reach out, ask questions, don't be afraid, ask your hospital care team. They might not even present this option to you. In abortion centers, there might not even be abortion doulas, but that, that should not deter you from asking, um, can you direct me to a center that does? Or do you know of folks who are? Um, because we've been made to feel that, that this type of support should be hush-hush, that this type of support is outside of the structure of the healthcare system. And so it's not as valid or it's not as, um, it's not as effective as the healthcare system. But as we know, this healthcare system got a lot of flaws. So try, try an unconventional route, try, try a different, try a different way. And also don't shy away from training doulas or recently trained doulas. Um, they can be the most eager and full of the most energy as some of our more seasoned doulas and midwives, um, but as they do experience burnout, right? So volunteer doulas may even be able to prioritize you a little bit more because they don't handle a lot of clients. So reach out, ask questions, and uh, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to be a part of the community in a really creative way. Okay, awesome. And I have a, I have a question. You may not know the, um, the answer or may not have heard anything, but considering the Roe versus Wade situation, mm -hmm. um, has there be, been any conversations or talks amongst doulas as to how that's going to affect doulas um, or can affect doulas from kind of those who specifically focus on abortions? Yeah, so what I will say is it's not going to stop people from doing their work. Mm -hmm. It's only going to stop people from talking about it. Yeah. Abortions are not going to go away, um, only legal ones. So if anything, personally, as, as one who includes abortion support in my spectrum training, um, I'm, more, I'm more motivated and more eager to do this work. And I, I would feel that many doulas feel that way. Like we are needed now more than ever um, because they are turning, the healthcare system is again in this government, this country is turning their back on people who need support in different ways on female bodies. And so, 
um, it's not going to change the work that we do. It's just going to change our visibility. Um, and so know that we are not going away in any way. Um, we are here. We are present. We're here. We're definitely here to stay. So, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you for sharing it. Of course. Thank you for asking. Yes. And thank you so much for just joining me on this conversation today. Um, I really hope that you all who are listening was able to get some useful information from this particular episode. And if there are any additional topics that you would like to hear about, feel free to reach out to me at info at imperfectlybeautiful.me. And if you are enjoying this podcast so far, feel free to a review, a five-star review, either on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And with that, um, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. Thank you, guys.